0: If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly.
1: Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about year end taxes. Guess what? It's that time of year. You thought you could wait until April 14th to get your taxes together. Nope, you can't. You actually need to get them done before the end of the year. So joining me today is Andrea Winkler. She is a partner at Davis and Bot CPA's. Also joining us is Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Andrea, I am going to start with you. I'm correct in saying we can't just wait until the day before we have to file our taxes to get everything together. Is that
0: correct? That's correct, especially if you have a preparer I'm a professional because they will not love you if you do that because <laughs> it makes our job terrible.
1: So when you say we have, if we have a preparer, what are they preparing?
0: So if you have like a professional that helps you with your tax return, tax return prep, really, if you have a good preparer, like a CPA that's a professional, most of the time they're going to want to do tax planning with you before the end of the year, especially if you have a lot going on. Because there's a lot of things that we can do as professionals um, or give you advice about That's really going to help smooth that ride of taxes. So whether it's helping you with bracket planning or, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm sure we're going to touch on. But the other thing that happens is if you have a prepare and you do planning, if the only thing you get out of it is that you have a heads up about what it's going to look like in April, that's a ton of peace of mind.
1: So this is the time I should gather up all those little receipts that I've stuck in shoe boxes, and then I just throw it all in one bag, and I can bring it in to you so you know what's going on, right?
0: (laughs) You sure can, but it helps us a lot if you summarize those yourself. (laughs) But yes, we can do that.
1: (laughs) Okay, so what is one of the big ticket items that we actually need to take care of before December 31st, if we're looking to write something off on our taxes?
0: The big things, like if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, one of the big things that has to happen before year end is if you want to make any asset purchases, because depreciation is one of our big tools that we can use to get a large write-off or a smaller write-off, whatever makes sense when all the numbers come in. So because we can take accelerated depreciation on stuff, or we can back it off and take it over a longer period of time, And and I say, depending on how everything else comes in, because one of the things that we like to do as professionals is make sure that, you know, you don't have a lot of big surprises in your tax bill, and also that you're taking advantage of your brackets. So if you end up in a really high bracket one year, because you just have this fantastic year, and then the next year, you're down to the 10 or 12% bracket, then in that high year, we wasted deductions that we could have taken if you don't do things like get equipment that makes sense for your business.
1: Okay. So let's say I was a veterinarian and I had a a stellar year, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people got pets. And so everybody Mm -hmm. was coming in for vaccines and operations to get them spayed or neutered. And I was just so busy. I didn't bother to buy the new x-ray machine that I really, really needed. So I made a ton of money in 2021, and now it's the end of the year and I go, Oh yeah, I, I have enough money. Now I can buy my x-ray machine, but that's a really big expense that I didn't take the year that I was making all this income.
0: Yep. So then you're, you're disappointed, but you should still buy the x-ray if you need it for your business. <laughs> so, and, and you can, and we can really time those deductions. I mean, you can't go back into the past, obviously. So you can't go back and take it in 21 because you're going to buy it then. But like if you buy it in 2022 and income's down quite a bit and you think it's going to be more steady throughout the next couple of years, we might not take bonus appreciation on it in 2022 because we might want some of those deductions over the next few years. Does that make
1: sense? No, I'm sorry. You just threw out a few things that I'm like <laughs> bonus appreciation. <What? laughs>
0: yeah, sometimes when I'm talking to my husband, he'll tell me. Um, you're speaking accountant. So (laughs) if you want me to process what you're saying, say it again in a different way. (laughs) So let me tell you in a different way. So if you buy a large asset, there's different depreciation rules that happen where we can take all of it as an expense called bonus depreciation, where we just expense the whole piece of machinery. Or we can take regular depreciation where it's spread out over the useful life of the asset. So that's what we're doing when we're planning those expenses. We're deciding, do we need it all in one year? Because we, you purchased it in the year where you had massive income, Mr. Bet or Miss Bet. <laughs> um, or did you forget to purchase it and now income's more steady and we need a deduction every year instead. Does that um, make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. And those things can also work on a personal level. Maybe not, you know, a big x-ray machine for my house necessarily. But mm-hmm. there are things in my own personal life I might want to look at as far as my, my taxes are concerned. So Susan, what would some of those be that I might need to deal with before December 31st of this year so that I can get them written off on my taxes that I file in April of next year?
0: You know, a couple things to be thinking about. Andrea mentioned bracket planning. And what we mean by that is with the standard deduction being so high, not everyone is able to itemize deductions anymore. So oftentimes as we're working with clients, we're not only tax planning for this year, we're tax planning for next year and possibly the year after. And one of the things, one of the tools that we would use here in Utah, we're a, we're a very charitable state. And so oftentimes we may bundle itemized deductions in one year. Let's say we may pay charitable donations if we have that ability to all in 2022, let's say. Because we have the taxes, maybe mortgage interest or whatever to go along with that. We may bundle 2022's charitable donations and we may pull in 2023's charitable donations, get over that uh, standard deduction amount, deduct it, lower our tax bracket, but knowing that in 2023 we're going to take that standard deduction.
1: Okay. So this year when I, when I go to file my taxes for 2022. What is the standard deduction for a single individual? $12,950. Okay, so the standard deduction is $12,950. If my income tax, my mortgage, interest rate, all of that, and I had medical expenses, came to $11,000, and I typically give $1,000 a year to charity, I might want to up that another thousand dollars is what you're saying. So I would give two thousand dollars this year, so that that puts me over the twelve thousand nine hundred fifty standard deduction, which gives me a better tax bracket, essentially.
0: Right. You would you would essentially lower your taxes this year. You, you know, cause being maybe this year you qualify to itemize the medical so let's take advantage of that and let's accelerate our charitable donations for for this year and then go ahead and take the standard deduction next year. While we're talking about itemizing and standard deduction, there's a new rule this year for Utah that we haven't been able to take advantage of before where you are capped at $10,000 for state and local taxes to take as an itemized deduction. So, if you're in a higher income bracket and you're already like say withholding and you've got real estate taxes the total of all of those taxes is capped at $10,000 for itemizing deduction purposes. This year we've got a new rule where we can actually pay state tax in at the entity level for individuals, um, where they can get a deduction at the entity level and it bypasses that $10,000 cap on the state and local taxes.
1: What do you mean entity level?
0: So like if you have an S corporation or a partnership, a business that has pass-through income to the individual taxpayer, then you can pay it at that level of the partnership. And then and then you are able to get a deduction, a uh, federal deduction on that income, and you're not capped at that $10,000 on the individual side. But that also has to be paid in before the end of the year.
1: Before December so 31st. One
0: based on estimated income. So that's where you, when you bring in your big receipts <laughs> in, your bag of receipts, they need to be compiled <laughs> so that you have a really good estimate of what your net income will be so that you can get that payment submitted to the state by the end of December.
1: Oh, so you actually have to submit it by the end of the year, not just... Not just figure it out. Not just figure it out. Yeah, you have to have it submitted. Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's different. All right, we do need to take a break. (laughs) When we come back, there are a few items that we can actually wait until after the end of the year to do, but they would still be counted on this year's taxes. So we'll be right back with Susan Spears the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants, and Andrea Winkler. She is a partner at Davis & Bot CPAs. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that it affects your life in any way money-wise. We're talking about it. And today we're talking about your year-end taxes. What are some of the things you need to do right now before December 31st to get ready to file your taxes. Joining me today is Andrea Winkler. She is a partner at Davis and Bot CPAs. Also, Susan Spears, the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs. All right. We talked about a few of the items, and I'm sure there are tons, but we talked about a few of kind of bigger items that you absolutely do have to file by December 31st, or at least know about by December 31st to get them put on your taxes to help reduce your tax burden. But there are a few items that you can actually fiddle with a bit. You can actually add money or take money out or do some things (laughs) in the new year, but include them on your previous year's taxes. So Andrea, let's go over what some of those are.
0: Yeah. So the biggest one would be like a traditional IRA or an HSA. So IRA, you know, is just a retirement account that you can contribute to. You can contribute up to $6,000 per year. So if you've contributed nothing during 2022, you can still make up to $6,000 for that contribution as long as it's done before the due date of the tax return. If you're over 50, you can go up to 7,000. And that does give you a reduction in your taxable income. So that is like a reduction to your taxable income.
1: Right. Okay. Now, not that I am opposed to adding more money to an IRA or an HSA, but why does the government allow you to donate into the new year for your previous taxes on that and not other items?
0: That is a very good question. If we knew why the IRS did anything, that would be fantastic. (laughs) I actually don't know. Susan, do you know? No, I I don't. I mean, I I know that the government, you know, wants to incentivize people to prepare for their own retirement. But I don't know that there's any one real reason. It
1: just seems to me. So let's say I'm, you know, I have a moderate income, I, I get by, I, you know, don't feel like I'm struggling paycheck to paycheck. But it's not like I have unlimited funds. I only have about $5,000 a year I can put into an IRA. So if I put in my $5,000 already for 2022, it's not like I have extra money in the, you know, or maybe I have, you know, an extra few hundred dollars in the first part of 2023 that I can put in and include in last year's taxes, but then I'm not putting that much into the next year's IRA. So it just seems odd to me.
0: So, for your situation, that's why everything is so individualized when it comes to tax return preparation um that's why we always actually encourage people to use a professional is because everything is so individualized so, for your scenario, it probably makes more sense to do your five thousand for twenty twenty one and our twenty twenty two and then do your five thousand for twenty twenty three and just continue on because your income is pretty even. There's a lot of people out there where, you know, they might have a huge sale of some something that they've been holding on to and they've got a massive gain in one year, or maybe they have um does their income's really variable? Maybe they work on commissions or something and in one year they might have, you know, a lot more disposable income than in another year. Well, in those years that disposable income is probably also gonna include a lot of more taxable income. So you would have that money available to put you know, to dump into an IRA. Okay. If you're not in that so- situation, then obviously, like, we would come up with something different for you.
1: <laughs> and so those people that you're talking about with a variable income, they could use the IRA and or HSA as a way to reduce that tax burden in the years mm-hmm. where they got more income than in other years where they didn't. Correct. Okay. Susan, why don't you go over what the HSA is and how that affects our taxes?
0: So, one HSA is a health savings account, and you can put money into that pre-tax out of your paycheck. So, you tell your employer, hey, I want you to pull $200 of paycheck out. They deposit that into your HSA account. You can use those monies tax-free to pay off medical expenses. Okay. Okay. Let's say I put in $2,400 this year. And I don't use that whole 2400 It just continues to carry over, you know, into future years. And then as I utilize those medical expenses, they kind of offset each other. So it's not taxable.
1: So with a traditional IRA, once I start pulling that money out, I will be taxed on it. Will I get taxed on the HSA when I start pulling that out to pay for medical expenses?
0: No, because... That money is offset. So when when you're prepared, when we you file your tax return, there's a form that we use that um, we show. Okay, I had twenty-four hundred dollars withheld from my HSA account, but I had, let's say, medical expenses of a thousand dollars. That thousand dollars offsets the re- the remainder. Just keeps on moving forward. It continues to grow. Yeah, it does not create a taxable transaction as long as you're using that money for medical bills. Now, if you were to pull it out and not use it for medical, then it becomes taxable, much like pulling from your traditional IRA.
1: You're talking about documentation then. So if I pull out some money out of this HSA for dental work or something, I would need to make sure I have receipts saying, yeah, this was from the dentist. It was $1,000. And if I can't provide that, then the IRS is going to be like, haha, we want our, we want our money off of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. All right. Is there any other kind of big ticket items that we could possibly pay into or contribute in the new year that you can still write off on this year's taxes?
0: Yeah. The IRAs, that's really kind of your biggie. And that's provided, like Andrea said, you know, when you have kind of that, that income that's not Stable. I mean, we do use it as a tax planning tool.
1: We do need to take one more break. When we come back, we'll go over things in general that we need to do to get ourselves ready for this tax season. Because again, you don't want to wait till the last minute. There are things you need to do before the end of this year to get yourself ready for your taxes. So we'll be right back with Andrea Winkler, a partner at Davis and Bot CPAs, and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, it's about your year-end taxes. It is time to start thinking about how you're going to file your taxes and what you need to do that. And if you're trying to reduce your tax burden, there are several things that you can do to lower how much tax you might have to pay to the IRS. Joining me today is Andrea Winkler, a partner at Davis & Bot CPAs, and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. So we've gone over uh, things that you have to get done by December 31st of this year. We've also talked about things that you can do in the new year for a few months into the new year that you can still write off on this year's taxes. But let's talk about things that it may be too late for this year, but we might want to get prepared for next year for any credits that we could use for next year's taxes. Andrea. Andrea.
0: One thing that we have looked at this year that it's not really a new credit, but it's something that we haven't really done is uh it's called the circuit breaker credit. And it it's in place to help kind of people in the, those lower income brackets and lower income that are elderly. There's different rules and they're all different based on your county. But you can apply for the circuit breaker credit. And basically what it does is it helps save you taxes on your property taxes. So it's not the same as the IRS, but it does help like your overall tax burden if you qualify for that.
1: So I own a home in the last two and a half years, my property tax just skyrocketed because prices went up everywhere. Mm -hmm. So The county went, ooh, property's more valuable. We're going to up the taxes. Well, I'm on a fixed income, and I was sort of barely scraping by three years ago trying to make that payment. So now what you're saying is, since I can't really afford my property taxes anymore, there's something out there that can help me pay for them?
0: Correct. And not everybody will qualify. There are definitely requirements that you have to meet, income requirements and age requirements. But it's basically, it's there to help those people that are on a fixed income, maybe they're retired, the only income they have is Social Security, and the property values around them and their property have skyrocketed, but they really haven't done anything to create that, (laughs) you know, they've been there forever. Um, and they're having a hard time affording that property tax. So that's what it's for. It's called the circuit breaker credit. And it's by county. So you just have to look at it by your county.
1: Is that only in Utah or is there a program like this across the country that's then broken down into counties?
0: That is a great question. I don't know. I only know about the Utah ones about this particular credit. This is something fairly new that our legislature has passed in the last year or so. For our listeners that are listening out of state, is something that you would want to check with, with the individual counties that you live in.
1: And your tax preparer should be able to help you with that as well. If you're in a different state, ask them if there's help available to help pay your property taxes if you're on a fixed income. Absolutely. Yeah. Susan, what other type of credits are out there? I know... During the pandemic, the government was giving people extra money for their kids.
0: So that happened last year, and I mean, there were it was kind of a it was a windfall for a lot of people. It helped a lot of people out. We don't have that this year. So if you recall, in 2021, you could get three thousand or thirty six hundred dollars per child if you qualified. This year, beginning back in 2022, we're back down to that two thousand per child child tax credit. So. If you're expecting a huge refund based on last year's numbers or last year's credits, I'll just forewarn you, it may not be there because those credits aren't there anymore. So so be aware of that.
1: So anybody who spent what they thought was going to be their refund based on last year's refund could be hurting.
0: Yeah, it really helped a lot of people out. But if you're not managing your finances and you're you know, we have different taxpayers. Andrea said we kind of tax plan to the person. And if, if you're a taxpayer that really likes that big refund because you want to go buy that big ticket item or that's how you fund savings or whatever, that big refund from last year's child, child tax credits is not going to be there this year for you. Now, that being said, let's remember that last year, most people got their a big part of their child tax credit. Paid throughout the year with those deposits that just started coming automatically. Um, and so there were a lot of people that were actually surprised at the end of the year because their refunds were lower than they expected because they'd already been prepaid throughout the year. Yeah. So that's another thing. Um, those, those prepayments have gone away. People have a hard time remembering things in total dollars. <laughs> like, <laughs> when that when that deposit came over those six months, like people forgot about it and it wasn't they didn't remember that they got it half the time. But the by the time they got to the reconciliation stage on the tax return, those refunds for a lot of people were actually a lot smaller. And the withholding tables were changed, um, from your wages. They were reduced as well to try to help put money back in people's pockets throughout the year when it when they needed it, but Again, those withholding tables are kind of back a little bit to a more normal level now this year as well. So hopefully those things will sort of offset each other and we'll get back to a little bit more normal what you've expected, but we'll see.
1: Okay. So we, just like in 2020 and 2021, when things were kind of upended on our taxes for a whole variety of reasons due to the pandemic now that we're sort of out of that emergency funding and we're going back to normal, it's going to feel like we're upended again on this year's taxes, it sounds like. very okay. yeah. well, good. I think you're right. All right. Is there any other type of credits or charitable giving or anything like that, our retirement accounts, that we need to be looking at and thinking about right now before this year ends and we start having to gather all of our stuff to file taxes?
0: You know, one thing that I, as we've been sitting here, one thing that I thought of is we have a lot of our our kids are in college and we're coming down to the end of the semester and everything. There's still tuition credits available out there. So as a reminder, you know, as you're putting all your tax stuff together, make sure that you're getting those tuition statements, those tuition credit statements. From your kids that are attending school, because again, as we're doing taxes, sometimes we decide who's going to take that push-in tax credit, whether it's the taxpayer or the student. You know, we kind of we kind of run numbers both ways to see which way is most beneficial to the taxpayer, and it's something that is often forgotten.
1: Okay, if I did did have a child in college, and you and I were sitting down, Susan, and we figured out, oh, you know, it's going to be better for you, Heather. If your child files taxes and takes this tuition credit, but my child has never filed taxes, how does that go over?
0: There has to be an argument that they're supporting themselves. So mm-hmm. they do have to have some income. They may have had enough income that it was below the standard deduction um, every year, but so that that's why they didn't have to file a tax return. Like if they made W-2 income of like $10,000 say. That's below the standard deduction, so there's no filing requirement for them. So they may never have filed a tax return, but they do need to have enough income that you could say they're, they're providing at least half of their own support, or more than half of their own support. Yeah, it's the reason we have these conversations again before year end, and why we have these conversations during tax season as to, okay, what does this look like this year and perhaps next year, so that we can plan Seeds into with our clients and with our taxpayers and say you know let's let's be proactive about what your tax picture looks like instead of coming in at the last minute on April fifteenth at six o'clock at night and <laughs> expecting miracles to be worked. Okay. We <laughs> really want to be proactive for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. And Andrea, you had mentioned that circuit breaker credit. I think you also had mentioned in the break that that has to be filed in September of each year, sometime in there. If you haven't filed it already or applied for it this year, 2022, it's too late now. But again, we're talking about let's get ready for next year and have those discussions with your tax preparer now. Even if you're trying to finish up 2022's taxes so you can file them, you can also plan for the next year as well correct. Thank you so much to my guests. We have Andrea Winkler. She is a partner at Davis and Bot CPAs. And Susan Spears, the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants. And you're both helping us to understand just a few, and there's a ton out there, but these are a few of the bigger items that we need to start looking at, get prepared before the end of this year and maybe a month or two into the next year for filing our taxes.
0: Twitter, and Instagram.